today to Matthew chapter 7. So again, Matthew 7, and welcome to week 5 of a journey through this chapter, Matthew 7, a series or journey that we are calling Foundations. And in, in two weeks, that um, series title will make sense to you as we talk about building our house upon the rock. And when we think about where we have gone as a faith family or where we go every Sunday, I pray that we continually, by God's grace, make it our aim every week to walk verse by verse in every series, every sermon um, that we journey through as a faith family. And in other words, let me just put it this way. I try to make it my aim to preach in an, in an expository manner week in and week out, which simply means I try to expose the meaning of the Bible to you verse by verse. And expository preaching is normally contrasted with what is called topical preaching, which is when a, a pastor kind of selects a topic and then puts verses around that topic to help prove um, the point that they are trying to make, or when a pastor focuses on different topics each week related to their time in the Word and how God speaks to them each week. And in topical preaching, um, so what happens is I, when I do a topical message, I pray, read through the Word of God. Um, the Word of God in a specific subject captures my heart in a certain way. I'm driven by the Spirit, and then that drives the sermon. Um, in an opposite way or in a different way, that in expository preaching, the Word um, in its context drives the direction of the message. Uh, Pastor Mark Deaver put it this way, expository preaching is preaching that makes the main point of a text the main point of the message. So that is kind of the goal. So I'm not saying one is better than the, well, I am saying one is better than the other. I'm, I'm not saying topical messages are bad because Lord knows we've done um, many of them. But what I am saying is that we need to make sure that we are not leaving out um, the whole counsel of God. For here's what I know in my reading and my studying if I am just focused on topical messages, there are certain um, things that I read throughout the Word of God each week that I go, well, that really doesn't relate to me right now, so I kind of push it aside, or that would really be hard preaching, so I kind of push that aside, and um, then you know, just kind of pick something that touches my emotions that I know that will touch your emotions. But when it comes to both cases, I think the goal as a pastor is to imagine God um, sitting here with us as I preach, and the question would be, what will God think of what is being declared? Will God think, Micah, you totally missed the point on that one. That is not what I had in mind when I, when I said that. Or would God say, yes, that's exactly what I meant when, when I, I spoke those words. This is exactly what I had in mind. And the reason I say all this is to say this, that if we only give ourselves to topical messages where I read... The Word of God, and I give you a message of how God spoke to me during that week. Who ends up driving the doctrine of the church? And in a weird way, I do. I end up driving the doctrine and kind of what I think and what I feel, and that becomes a driving force. But when we go verse by verse through the Word of God, um, and, and we seek in every series to walk verse by verse, then then who's driving the doctrine of the church? And that's when we would say the Word is and the Spirit is, and that is, I pray, what we want. And this is where we realize that when we go verse by verse through the Word of God, there are going to come times when we are going to come to subjects that don't hit us in an emotional way, that don't 
Um, we don't see how it applies to us. And this is a good time for me just to pause and say this. Um, when it comes to us reading the Word of God, we do not interpret the Bible based on what's going on in our lives. I don't interpret the Bible based on how it makes me feel. I don't interpret the Bible based on my life. I interpret my life based on the Bible. If we're not careful, we, make, we, we say, well, that can't be true because look at this. Look at what I'm going through. How can that be true? And we, we basically um, make the Bible dictate upon how we feel or what we're walking through. Instead, my life should be the one lining up to this word, not vice versa. So with all of that said, this morning we come to a subject that on the surface is not going to seem very relatable to some of us. It's the subject of false prophets. Um, I know some of, in some of your minds this message should be really quick. You should say, Micah, are you a false teacher? I go, no, and we all go home re feeling really good about our time together, going, okay, well, I, I believe him, and uh, you know, we just kind of go on. But here, here's the point. I, I think there had to be a reason why Jesus, in the midst of this Sermon on the Mount, took time to address the reality of false prophets. And I believe that the reason is Jesus knows us. And he knows that we are prone to be deceived. And even more than being deceived outwardly, Jesus knows that we are prone to self-deception. We are prone to even deceive ourselves. In fact, so great is the threat that Jesus begins the section we're about to read by using the word beware. So beware, it means to be cautious or to be alert to danger. This is a very familiar word in our, our culture and before this subject gets a little heavy, and, and it will get heavy at times, I, I want us to just take a quick, lighthearted look at a, a few of the ways that this word beware is used every day in our lives, especially as ocean weigh-ins. So a couple signs that we may see every day living in ocean waves. So warning, beware of dogs. So that is a, that's the, the sign of choice for most people who live in ocean way. When this sign is not there, um, the other sign will be a big pit bull um, with a big chain with a small um, rope attached to a small tiny tree um, in their front yard. Um, that could, the, the pit bull could just take the tree out at any moment whatsoever. But this is a sign that we see often. I like this sign, but I like this one better. Better beware of the dog. The, the cat is not trustworthy either. I mean, we all know cats, excuse me, can't be trusted. They just can't. I'm sorry, Sarah. It's not my doing. That's what God says. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. That's what I said. But um, so that the, the next sign actually appeared on Brother Curtis's front door. Forget the dog. Beware of the owner. So true, true story. Um, you'll see that on his front door. Beware of the owner. Or for those who are fearful of everything, here's a good one. Beware of, well, just beware. So beware of everything. Don't ever take your eyes off, off anything. And, uh, and then, of course, this is a really, really good one as well. Um, yeah, do it. Do it. Beware of the wife. So that, you weren't supposed to do that. You weren't supposed to say amen to that. But his wife's not here, so that he can get away with it. So beware of the wife, um, how, how that could be. And just think about this. The threats that we face every day can be scary um, if it comes to dogs or, or cats or pigs. Or my, I don't know where I'm going with that. But they, it can be scary. But if I were to ask all of us to make a list of things, the greatest threats in our lives, there would probably be things on all of our list that would be the same. When I think of some of the greatest threats, I think of things like this, the threat of a terrorist attack. 
the threat of a nuclear attack or the threat of war, the threat of a natural disaster and how natural disasters have rocked um, our world, the threat of a global pan pandemic, just, just sickness breaking out. Or some of us would put down the threat of a departure, someone leaving our lives, whether it be through walking out or whether it be through death and having to live life in that way or some other threats that we, we face. Yet, think about this, most of us would not have on our list the threat of being deceived. So we would have a lot of things, but most of us wouldn't put down the threat of me being deceived. And I think the reason is because either, number one, we're very trusting of others around us, or more likely because we are very trusting of ourselves. And we're very trusting of our ability to discern and to know what's true and what's not. And all of the threats I just mentioned are extremely dangerous because they have the ability to take away life. But the threat that we come to this morning is more dangerous because it has the ability to take away your soul forever. It has the, the ability to, to claim our souls forever. In the words of Tim Challies, he's a pastor, he put, The history of Christ's church is inseparable from the history of Satan's attempts to destroy her. While difficult challenges have arisen from outside the church, the most dangerous have always been from within. For from within arise the false teachers, the peddlers of error, who masquerade as teachers of truth. False teachers take on many forms, custom-crafted to times, cultures, and context. Satan's greatest ambassadors work as agents sneaking into the opposing army. Satan's tactics are studied, clever, predictable, effective. Therefore, we must always remain vigilant. Beware of false prophets. So let us dive into the word today. And as we dive in, let us do so desiring to be driven by the words of Christ, desiring that the Spirit of God would illuminate um, Christ to us, the words of Christ, so that this day we would know Him more, we would know ourselves more, all more than, than we did when we walked in. So if if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor God's word. We're going to read Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. These are the words of Christ. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's pray together. Father, we come to your word. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. We don't want to just know a little more about your word, God. We want to be transformed by it. We want to meet you here in it. God, transform your people. Lord, help us to fall in love a little more today with truth. For in the end, it is truth and truth alone that will stand. Lord, help us to consider our relationship with it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So just think about this picture. No, no sooner did God give a message through a prophet than Satan began to counterfeit that 
that message. There's, there's always been and there will always be false prophets in the world who pretend to represent God. And ultimately, of course, they do not represent God at all. In the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament identified them, warned against them. Moses was in conflict with them um, in Egypt. Jeremiah was fighting with them in Judah. Ezekiel faced them and called them foolish prophets that lived in their own spirit. In the New Testament, beginning with Christ, they are also exposed. Christ went toe-to-toe with false prophets. The Apostle Paul struggled against them. Peter said that false prophets, get this, were like dogs who returned to lick up their own vomit. Tell us what you really think, Peter. I mean, he's very, very clear there. Jude saw them and called them deluded dreamers who defile the flesh. So from beginning to now, false prophets have been present and they have been eager to counterfeit what um, the work of God and what God proclaims to be good. So in in the remaining time that we have this morning, I want us to unpack three truths declared by Christ to us concerning the great threat that has faced the church from the beginning and that will face the church up until Christ returns. So truth number one, false prophets are deceptive. False prophets are deceptive. I've never seen a false prophet stand up and go, hey guys, I'm a false prophet. Follow me at your own risk. It does not happen. They are deceptive. Think about verse 15, the words of Christ. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Later in Matthew 24, Jesus said this, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. For false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And the reality is there's not just going to be wolves in the world. There are going to be wolves in the church. And not just get this, not just in the church, but not just in the pews, but in the pulpit. It's kind of what Jesus is, is saying. And then he says this, he says, beware because they will come to you as wolves in sheep's clothing. And in case of this sheep's clothing picture, sometimes I think if we're not careful, the way we view it is we view some guy crawling around on all fours with sheep with wool on his back and he has a sheep head over his head and he's trying to act like um, the, the sheep are acting and we say that's the guy. But that's kind of not the context here. Shepherds, for the most part in that day, wore cloaks made of the wool of the sheep and i know some of you right now are thinking that's just so mean why would the shepherds kill their own sheep in order to have their wool and i'll let you kind of do the research on that a little bit later some of you are just clueless as of right now and in fact let me let me just add to this my first time going to ecuador i bought a an alpaca blanket and I, I brought it home and i gave it to morgan and morgan said i won't put this on my bed and alpaca died for this and i said no, baby. No, they didn't. So just in case you're not catching the joke, no animals die for sheep wool. So just, just so you know, um, some of you, you'll get that next week sometime. But here's the point. The mark, and it wasn't Morgan that did that. It was Misty. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, sorry. Uh, the mark of, of a shepherd was that he wore the wool of his sheep. So therefore, get this, the idea is not that this imposter comes dressed like the sheep. The idea is that he is coming dressed like the shepherd. 
So he is coming dressed himself like the shepherd, trying to deceive the flock by impersonating that which they are easily to follow. And just think about the context again. Look back to verses 13 and 14. Jesus had just told us, you better enter into the narrow gate. There's only one way that leads to me, and it's the gate is narrow, the road is narrow. Few people that are there, but there is a wide gate and a wide road that leads to destruction, and there will be many that will, will be there. And the question when it comes to deception in the church is this, who are the voices in your life that call you to repentance, and who are the voices in your life that remind you of the narrowness of the gospel that lead to life? And let me just say this, if one of those voices is not your pastor, then get a new pastor. And some of you are thinking, well, Micah, you're, you're my pastor. Exactly. If there ever becomes a time where somehow, way, sin grabs a hold of my heart and I take you away from the gospel, then you get rid of me. You get rid of me. And some of you are going, we'd never do that. You should. You should. Don't just say, Micah, you, you've been here forever, so we're going to trust everything you, you say. That's not the picture. That's not the point that we see um, in, in Scripture. The point we see in Scripture is we've got to test everything. We've got to make sure that even the people we trust the most are giving us the truth of God's Word. And here's a good second question is how do we, how do we know that we're receiving the truth? How can we battle against deception? And the answer is know the truth. And who is truth? Jesus is. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The true shepherd is a person, the second person of the Trinity. So let me just say this again this morning. I am not up here in this moment asking you to trust me, asking you to follow me, or asking you to put me on a pedestal. I'm standing up here this morning asking you to trust Christ, follow Christ, put Christ on the pedestal, for he alone belongs there. He alone belongs there. I don't belong there. At as the under-shepherd, yes, I do pray that you will trust me. But I pray that you will make sure that I'm teaching you the word of God. I do pray that you would follow me, but only along the lines of the Apostle Paul, where he said, follow me only as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. Don't do it. If you ever put me or if you ever put any pastor where Christ alone should be, you are deceived and you are in great trouble. If you ever try to put a person where Christ alone should be, you are in great trouble. And the sad reality, let me just put it this way, the sad reality is that those that should be attracted to God are oftentimes attracted to his counterfeits. Attracted to those who counterfeit God and counterfeit his word. So false prophets are deceptive. Beware. But then secondly, false prophets are dangerous. They're dangerous. Look at verse 15 again. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In Acts 20, Paul is standing before the elders of Ephesus giving his farewell address, and here's what he tells them. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. 
So we're not just talking about wolves. That's, that's bad enough. We're talking about the kind of wolves who just can't get enough. The kind of wolves who are never satisfied. Just imagine a flock of sheep. The most innocent, gentle, and stupid animals that we ever know. They're fearfully stupid. We talked about this a few weeks back when we were walking through the I Am series. And then Jesus looks at us and says, you're them. And we go, no, no, no. I'm the exceptionally smart sheep. You know, I'm the gifted one. And Jesus goes, no, you're, you're all the same. And this is who you are. But just imagine these sheep. They're peacefully grazing in the pasture. They're minding their own business. And in the midst of them is their mortal enemy, the animal that presents the greatest um, danger, the greatest threat to them, the wolf. Somehow he has snuck into their flock. They are oblivious to his presence and not only has he wrapped himself in their skin he has begun to lead them and the only place he wants to lead them is to a plate so he can have lamb chops that's the only thing that he desires he doesn't desire their their good he desires their meat he wants them this is the picture of the the wolf this is not just about deception this is about devouring this is about destruction of that which doesn't even know better. Just follow with me here. Turn, turn with me real quick to Jeremiah 23. In Jeremiah 23, God in speaking to Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, gives this picture of the, the harm that a false prophet can do. And, and the, the, the harm that a false prophet can cause any of us if we listen. So Jeremiah 23, beginning at verse 16 and just 16 and 17, listen to this. When you get there, Okay, when the rest of you get there, and if you just don't want to be left out, all right. So verse 16 says, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you and to Everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. There is danger in that. Think about this. They're saying that a false prophet will look towards a people who care not about the word of God, that care not about the ways of God, and the false prophet will say to that person, it's okay. It will still be okay with you because God loves you. That's the picture of the false prophet. It doesn't matter if you disobey God. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. And the point is that false teachers are still as dangerous today as they ever have been. In the words of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says the false prophet is always a very comforting preacher. As you listen to him, he always gives you the impression that there is not very much wrong. He admits, of course, that there is a little wrong. He is not fool enough to say that there is nothing wrong, but he says that all is well and will be well. Because he never disturbs you and never makes you feel uncomfortable, you carry on as you are. You are all right. You do not have to worry about the straight gate or the narrow way. Just think about this. If you sit under a minister or myself, and my words, as I'm sitting here saying I am declaring this word, 
and my words never foster in you a poverty of spirit, if the words that I proclaim to you never make you cry out to God for mercy, if the word that I proclaim to you never places you before the holiness of God or never makes you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you are never called to turn from your sin or to turn from trusting in yourself, and if you are never called to turn in faith to Jesus Christ and trust him as Savior and Lord, then you are following a dangerous person. You're following a very, very dangerous person. If a person truly cares for your soul now and forever, that person will point you to Jesus. He'll continually point you to Jesus. There are many wolves that desire to destroy the sheep. But get this, there is only one good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. There's only one of those. And if you aren't following him, so if you aren't in this moment following the good shepherd, then you are in more danger than you know. You're in more, you're more danger than you know if you are not in this moment following the good shepherd. Because if you're not, there is a wolf waiting to devour you. And most don't even know it. False prophets are deceptive. They are dangerous. But then we get to the third truth, which is kind of the good news. False prophets can be detected. False prophets can be detected. And this is the, the point in the sermon that some of you would say, just tell us who they are, Micah, and we won't listen to them. Just, just do that. Just tell us who they are. And, of course, at the end of last service, I had a few people come up and say, I know who you were talking about. You were talking about so-and-so, and you were talking about so-and-so. And here's the point. I'm, I'm not desiring to get up here and tell you who I think is, is the false prophet today. What I want to do is I want to so lift high the truth of God that when you walk out and when you encounter that person, you'll know. You'll know. In fact, I, I love the picture, and you've heard this before, that, that federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying counterfeits. Instead, they learn to spot counterfeit by studying and feeling the real thing. They look at the real thing. They look at it in light. They feel what the paper feels like. And therefore, whenever they are confronted with the fake um, money, they recognize it immediately. Why? Because they study that which is true. So as believers, if we truly want the original, we will always be led to Christ and to his word. And if we know Christ and if we know his word, then we will be able to identify that which isn't Christ and that which is not in his word. And that word, according to Christ, or in, in this word, Christ says very clearly, looking back at Matthew 7, says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Thus you shall recognize them by their fruits. In the Old Testament, the way to spot a false prophet was easy. If a false prophet said, the Lord says this, this is going to happen, you wait and you see if it happens. If it happens, then they're speaking for the Lord. If it doesn't happen, they're a false prophet. They need to die. It's pretty simple. Yet in the New Testament, Jesus comes us up and gives us a, a more in-your-face or in-your-life kind of detection in the New Testament. And here's what Jesus says. Anyone who stands before you trying to teach you, quote-unquote, truth, imagine that person as a tree. 
So imagine that person as a, a tree. So I don't know what kind of a tree you're imagining me right, right now. I'm not, not sure what kind of tree that, that would be. But imagine that person or the person who teaches you in a life group setting. Imagine them as a, a tree. And then ask this question. Are they producing fruit? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in them? Do you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Do you see that? You know what? We never misidentify a tree after we have seen or eaten its fruit. We, we misidentify a tree before that, but never after. Once we've seen and tasted the fruit of the tree, we know what that tree is. God kind of gave me a word yesterday, and I wanted to share that with you. Please make sure that you are following a fruitful tree or a fruit tree and not a Christmas tree. So many times, guess what? It's so easy to follow a Christmas tree because it's pretty and it's lit up and it makes us feel good for a season. And we see it and it's just beautiful and it just elicits these good, happy feelings in us. The problem is that tree is either, number one, artificial it is not real, or that tree is dying. If you bought a real tree, it's dying. It's leading to death. So make sure you are following a, a fruit tree, a fruitful tree, a tree that's bearing the gospel and not one that's faking its way and leading you to, to death. You know what we are seeing today? And I, I didn't plan on bringing this up, but we are seeing today people who are coming out claiming to be pastors and what they're saying is, I have a new revelation. And they're saying that God is showing them and giving them verses that contradict the way that the last 2,000 years, the way that men and women of God have studied and perceived the Scripture the last 2,000 years. Beware of anyone who comes out and says, I know you believed it like this for 2,000 years, but you've been wrong. Here's what it really, really means. And they're saying that, and people are going, yeah, of course that's what it means, because that's got to be what it means, because that's the way it feels. It feels that way. That's the way the world's responding. Therefore, the world, this word has to line up with the way we're doing in the world. Be very careful of that. In fact, let me say this. No one has ever in Scripture called you to prove that you're lost. You don't have to prove you're lost. You just have to be you. But the Bible does say very clearly that those who know the Lord, there will be proof. There will be works. There will be fruit that will always be an outworking of our salvation. In fact, Jesus said, you will recognize them by their fruits. And let me wrap up this this morning by pointing the finger not out there, to the threat out there. Let me end by pointing the finger directly to everyone in this room. And let me just say this. For most of us, the most dangerous false prophet in our lives is ourselves. The most dangerous false prophet in your life and my life is ourselves. Because if we are not careful, we begin to say things and believe things that aren't in this word, that aren't here, but yet we believe it and we trust it and we, we think it has to be that way. We are quick to recreate God in our image. We are quick to absolve ourselves of our sins and then know that God will condemn everybody else of theirs. So isn't that the God we serve? We, we serve the God that's always very lenient on us and our sins, but the God who hates everybody else and their sins. It's amazing how we hate people because they sin differently than we do. 
It's amazing of, of that reality. Or how quick we are to credit ourselves for being righteous before God because of our goodness. Or how quick we are to say things about God and about ourselves that we would never say if we had the Bible open. Because if we had the Bible open, we go, no, that's not true because it says it right here. Therefore, let me just say this. We need to beware of self-deception. What I just gave you, let me, let me just break it down from a personal standpoint. First of all, our sinful and wicked hearts are prone to self-deception. Don't be in here going, no, no, I trust my heart. I, I trust my heart. Well, once again, open the Bible to Jeremiah 17. And Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. Or another way of saying it is, don't trust your heart. Let me say something that might sound weird coming from a pastor, although I've already told you to run me off. Um, another weird thing, I have no idea what I'm capable of doing if I give my heart over to sin. I'm never going to say what I won't do because I have no idea what I'm capable of if I just give my heart and my life over to sin. I have no idea how far sin could take me. And I'm not ever going to stand up here and go, I, I will never, ever do that. In fact, the second we do that, Satan goes, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You, you sure about that? You, you sure you'll never do that? And Satan turns the heat up. We need to understand the wickedness of our own hearts. And then secondly, self-deception is extremely dangerous for all of us. And it's dangerous because according to Galatians 6.3, we're led to trust ourselves. We're led to trust in ourselves, to trust in our, our goodness, to trust in our ability, to trust in us. And all throughout the word of God, God never says trust in you. God says trust in me. Trust in me. I heard a pastor one time give the whole story of Peter walking on water. And he said this, the whole moral of that story is that God wants us to trust ourselves more. And I'm listening to this online and people are going, yeah, that's exactly what it means. And I'm thinking to myself, no, 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 no. God does not want us to trust ourselves more. We are idiots. We are idiots. God does not want us. To, he wants us to trust ourselves less, and he wants us to trust him more. In fact, God wants us more to pray the prayer of John in John 3.30. God, may I decrease, may you increase. May I become less, may you become greater. Trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge him. And then through humility and honesty, self-deception can be detected. So when we bring ourselves before God and say, God, search me and know me. Am I bearing fruit? Am I bearing fruit, God? Or as a church, are we bearing fruit? Are we demanding the gospel? Let me close and give you one more verse. Paul, in writing to Timothy, gives a very heavy and a very disheartening warning. And in, in 2 Timothy 4, he says this. For the time is coming, and you'll see it on the screen, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, get this, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So Paul is looking at the church and saying this. There's coming a day where you, the church, people who claim to be in the church, will get tired of listening to the truth 
your ears will begin to itch, and instead you will put people in front of you that will tell, tell you not what the Word of God says, but will tell you what you want to hear. And in doing so, will lead you away from truth. And as I wrote that verse on the screen, as I wrote it in the computer, here's what my prayer was. God, may that never happen here. May it never, ever happen here. May we be a people who give ourselves to the truth of God's word. May we give ourselves to loving the one who is altogether truth. May we demand the gospel. May we demand the gospel of those who stand in this pulpit. May we demand the gospel of those who teach it in our, in our classes. And one of the ways you can, you can demand it, you can demand it without being um, hateful or mean to your pastor. Lord knows I get enough of, of that side. But one of the ways you can demand it is, get this, be excited about the word of God. Because something happens when God's people comes into this place of worship and are excited about the word of God. Guess what happens? The word of God just begins to get pulled out and pulled out and pulled out and pulled out. And may that happen among us. Brothers and sisters, there are false prophets all over this world who want nothing more than to lead us away from truth. And there is a true prophet. His name is Jesus. He is the truth. We look to him. We never look away from him. And he will always lead us to life. Always lead us to life. Therefore, let's always look to him. I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to end this time together today just by having a time of invitation and consecration where we say that whatever God is telling us, that we would do it. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, this is a tough word. But yet, God, this is your word. And we don't believe, God, we don't believe that you wanted this said to people 2,000 years ago, but you don't want it said to us. We don't believe that this was applicable for them, but not for us. We believe that we are also, God, prone to deception. We are prone to believe things that aren't true. We are prone to trust ourselves way more than we should, or sometimes trust others, and not, God, trust you. Would help us, God, in this moment to trust you like never before. May it never be said of this, your church, that we got tired of listening to truth and instead we wanted somebody else to come in and tell us more happy thoughts. May it never be said of this faith family. May this faith family continually, Lord, demand the gospel. But not just demand it, God, may we live it. May we live it, God. May we love it. May we want to expose more people to it. For it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. Just finish this time today. In Jesus' name, amen.